to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Oh, it had to end at some point, didn't it? We had to fall from the sky at some point and have a little bit of a reality check. Obviously, the, mo- the 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 main disappointment this week, because I'm sure, as as, as you'll all be aware, no singing, no singing at the start of the podcast. Gutted. I know. I was, I was looking looking forward to some David Hasselhoff or Ramstein. You know, Ramstein was on the list. I'm telling you, I, I'm getting so close to this record deal that if they could have just kept winning until the end of the season, I could just keep advertising and promoting myself. But never mind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Record, record deals out, mate. There you Done. go. No. Well, blame Gino Smith for that then. Cheers, Gino Smith. Um, yeah, bit of a bit of an anti-climax, bit of a just a just a bit bummed this week. Just a bit like we for a little while, just for a four-week little bubble that we were in, we we forgot what it was like to to feel the loss and and, and lose, and it was brilliant because I thought it'd be a non-stop experience of losing this year. And for those four weeks, it was magical of just winning. And now it, now it's a bit of a, a snap back to reality, as, as Slim Shady once said. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's plenty to talk about, as there always is with the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, Positive Pez himself isn't here to to put his next guy in the Hall of Fame and call it now this week for, you know, four times this week. He's not here tonight, unfortunately. Um, he's, he's that depressed. That yeah. he's having to he's having to get his dopamine and endorphin fix from the gym. Yeah, he's sat. He's got he's got the gym. He's going to come home. He's just going to have a sit with his dog, you know, just stroking his dog on the sofa, just cuddling it. Just why with his Brooks jersey, <laughs> his Brooks jersey, crippling his hands. Why? Why? And then the other hand, he's going to have his Ken Walker jersey going seventeen yards rushing. What yes. happened, Ken? Oh dear. Um, but as you can tell, we have got Josh back this week. Um, Josh, how are you, mate? Good, tired, um, living in a plague house um, at the moment with a, a, a sick wife and daughter. My daughter has brought something else home from nursery. So anyone that listens to our pod that's a parent, you know that children are just the carriers of disease. And it's literally like it's, it's like every other week. It's just that time. And I seem to be dodging a lot of them, which is quite good. Mm. But <laughs> I think but, yeah. the NHS need to 
I don't know how close your your closest NHS facility is, but it needs to move practically into your house because your your house is a plague house every well, single week. Honestly, I'm just going to paint a big red cross over it and yeah. be like, "Do not enter." It's, it's it's getting silly now, but again, it's that thing of having a toddler and anyone as a parent will know. I used to work in a primary school and you'd literally see one kid come in sick and you'd be like, "Oh God, it starts," and just watch people like be like, "Who's next?" And you'd always get to the end of the year and be like, "Oh my God." I come away unscathed, and then all of a sudden you get a cough or a sniffle, and you're like, nope, that's me, man down. Yeah, there was a few things from this Seahawks game that made me feel rather ill as well that I'm sure we're going to get into. Um, we'll, we'll, as we always do, we'll start with Geno Smith, but it's just a catalogue of question marks for me this week. I mean, tight end usage, we're going to get into Ken Walker with his first kind of real struggle day at, at the office this week. Um, you know, is there anything to read into there? But we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, the D line not laying a finger on Brady's mm. jersey. That jersey did not need to be washed after the game. We can't even flog that as a game one jersey because there's no <clears> mud on it. Um, <laughs> the, the, every, it's just a catalogue of question marks that we're going to get into. We're going to start with the offense. We're going to start with Geno Smith. Um, few. Just a few really bad decisions, especially not so much in the second half, but in the first half specifically. And I mean, I know he got the fumble. In, fumble was the second half, wasn't it? I'm just trying to think back now. When he fumbled it, that was in the second half. Yeah, so take that back. He did make one bad decision in the second half. Um, but just the decision not to run the ball on that third and two. Just it, There's a few signs that Geno's game potentially few few I don't know whether it's now coming to the stage where he's getting a little bit overconfident at times or a bit too comfortable at times and he's starting to make a few bad decisions whereas at the start of the season it kind of felt like he was hyper focused on every play I, I, I don't know um still didn't have a an awful awful game again and yet he never does when you read the stat line I mean 23 for 33 275 yards, two touchdowns. By the way, I'm sure he throws for 275 yards every single week. Isn't it's, it? It's consistent. Yeah, isn't it? 275 <laughs> yards every bloody week that he throws for. Um, two touchdowns, no interceptions, as always, well, other than last week. Um, but yeah, it, it's there's not much to say really about Gino this week that we don't already say. It's just, again, it was more the play of the offensive line, I thought, this week. I didn't think the offensive line played great. I know some people out there saying that they played quite well this week. I, They didn't pass my eye test. Um, but, yeah, Geno Smith, a few really bad decisions. But then on the flip side of it, the throw to Marquis Goodwin for the touchdown on fourth down was uh, if, if Herbert, if Mahomes or anyone had thrown that throw, if Allen had made that throw, you'd still be watching it on, on NFL this week and... and you know, all the highlights and everything. Um, so he, he is still showing that he is no fluke in terms of his ability that he's showing this year. It's just all these last couple of weeks, the Cardinals game and now into this game, just starting to see a few bad decisions creep into Geno Smith's game. Cracks is, emerging. Yes, a few cracks emerging um, in, in the Geno Smith mountain. Is is there anything to read into that? Is he starting? Do you think he's starting to become a little bit overconfident at times? I don't know. I think like I don't know if it was just me because like with this game, I'm always wary when you play Brady because as as much as he can be on a seeming downturn, he he is Brady. You know, he he's the goat. Gino came into this game riding a massive high, and 
he looked at times like a bit worried when the camera panned to him on the sideline. He was like wide eyed, like, what the hell is happening? What have I done? What, what am I doing next? And it, it seemed really uncharacteristic because he's been really cool, calm, collected, hyping the guys up. Mm. And he just seemed like that he had a lot of weight on his shoulders for this one. Yeah. And he did. It was the first NFL game in, you know, in, in Germany. Um, and we'll get onto that later because that was, it looked like a hell of an occasion. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just uh, th- th- that decision not to run for two yards baffled me. I mean, yeah. I nearly th- I nearly threw my, my my daughter off my knee when I was that angry. Like I was, I just I didn't know what his thought process was because he he held on for it for so long that the the window for him to run just evaporated. Mm-hmm. But if he'd just gone, nothing's open. I'm going. That would have been a first down. And the drive would have completely changed then because it would have the momentum. It, it it would have would have wouldn't have stalled. And I think that would have done his confidence a world of good as well. But I just think he was too busy trying to look for someone to pass to because he he made some lovely short passes to Metcalf. Yeah. Um, got the ball out with some zip in in like two seconds, if that. And he just yeah, I, I don't know. I I think I don't think his O line helped. I think. Charles Cross, by looking at PFF yeah. grades, he was he was what eighty odd percent or eighty odd, yeah. wasn't he? And he yeah. allowed zero pressures on his side, which is fantastic for a left mm-hmm. tackle. Um, I thought Abe Lucas played all right, but I th- the, all the pressure seemed to come up the middle. It's the interior, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's it. it. It's that like when you've got someone like r- rushing at you, like is it Devin Lloyd um, from or Devin White? Devin White, yeah, Devin White um, rushing at you, who is one of the 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 best linebackers in the game, especially when it comes to creating pressure, they just seem to have targeted that. They they saw that as a weak point and they just went straight for it. They went Austin Blythe, as good as he's been for Seattle, he's not a top class centre. They've gone Delu hasn't been amazing. And did Jackson start this game? I didn't even yeah. realise yet. So Jackson's been off his game and Phil Haynes just isn't that level no. of guard. Um and I think they they exploited it. I mean, they got to Gino three times, and it, they were they were all like drive stalling ones because it wasn't one of them for over ten yards. Yeah, the sack. Yeah, which I think again comes back to Gino potentially taking sacks where he doesn't need to. I think he could have yeah. helped out his offensive line a bit at certain times. Like I think there was one down in the red zone. Well, the fumble especially. I know it wasn't a sack, but the the fumble. I, I didn't get the play call to start with, but then just. Just throw that to the out the back of the end zone, like and, and just go. It wasn't fourth down. It wasn't even third. It was second down. Just, just. Yeah. I, I don't. I didn't get the play design, but it, it is what it was. It, it happens. You could see it was busted. Just, just have. I just like to see him, and he's done it a couple of times where he seems like, and we know a certain other quarterback did this at times where he tries to extend the plays, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it, it, it you, you go back and look at it and go, well. You, you may be trying to play a little bit of hero yeah. ball there instead of just chucking it out the back of the end zone. But um, he, he hasn't done it as much as that former that, that former guy that we all know used to be here. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to criticise him too much for that. But but it's, it's, it's even the decision on the when we went for the two, he mm. he threw it at Lockett in double coverage. Like the 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 window was like puckered arsehole yeah. it was that that small and i don't get why he thought about throwing it there ken walker was wide open if you watch it back exactly. ken walker gets to the gets the goal line sits there 
he's wide open if he just looks his way. Yeah, P- poor decision. But yeah. I think I think put it this way: our offense this week, when Michael Dixon is your best, and I suppose the defense as well. But when Michael <laughs> Dixon is probably your best player in a certain week, or when your punter in general for any 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 fans of any mm-hmm. team, when your punter in general is your best player that week, um, you know something's probably not gone quite right on both sides of the ball. But the thing that really frustrated me and confused me the most was was the tight end usage. We all have seen this year the borderline unstoppableness of our 13 personnel with Disley, Parkinson and Fant. And the, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't recall a single tight end catching a ball in the first half. They might have caught one. Fant, might, Fant or Disley might have caught mm. one, but I can't remember them doing it. For me, it seemed like, and it was, the very first drive to start the third quarter, he went to Disley twice in a row, started hitting Fant, and it's like, well, it, yeah, here it is. Now we're moving the ball. <laughs> And, and it's like, why Why did we not call a single one in the entire first half? It, all it seemed like was we, it's either going to Metcalf or it's a handoff to Walker and there's no real in-between. It it just, it was a real head-scratcher in, in terms of our, our offence was stalling. We weren't putting points on the board. And yet our biggest weapon all year has been the tight ends and the 13 personnel. And it's like, we just... We just Forgot like that. left, yeah, just left it on the on the plane, left it at SeaTac. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I didn't get it. Just, it, I think it was just bad play calling for that first half, especially. It was just we we didn't read the defense. We we didn't revert back to what we knew we could we could run with. We were trying to to outsmart them rather than outplay them. Um, I mean, as you as you said, like when you look at our thirteen man per thirteen personnel packages. You've got those three tight ends, all of which offer a different skill set, all of which have been exceptional targets for Gino. They've been great releases for him, but yet we didn't use them. And it was it, it baffled me watching that first half because all I could think was if you play those three tight ends, there is going to be at least one of them open. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And and we just we didn't see it. I think the play call, I don't know if the occasion, I said this again, the occasion was too big and we we tried to outsmart them in some way or, or what, but the play calling just seemed really off on both sides of the ball in that first half. And I'd love to know why, if it was a, a predestined game plan or it was a the books had turned up and done something that we didn't expect, so we had to revert like slowly mm. back into a different game plan. It, it I, I need to rewatch it again, but it, it just yeah, that first half was so frustrating to watch. Just the inconsistency of ball, the stuttering play, not being able to get the run game going, the lack of tight end usage. I mean, six, this, this goes on. Six collective receptions for across all three of the tight ends uh, against the Bucks. I mean, it, it's yeah, it, it, like we've said, just really, really strange when you know how big of a part of. Of, of our offense and our entire game plan, those tight ends are this year under Shane Waldron. Like I said on this podcast, Shane Waldron, former tight ends coach, knows all about him, has, has really brought to life these tight ends in Seattle this year. And for whatever reason, like you say, is it the occasion? Perhaps, but it's a bit of a weird. It's a bit of a weird excuse to use the kit to not you. It doesn't really match, but. Like, perhaps I don't know. Um, I'm not the player. It's going to be all the excuses of time zone, occasion, yeah. 
Like, there's going to be a plethora of them, but I'm I'm not even going to go down the time zone one because the yeah. guys got there early enough to beat jet lag, and they they're a professional team that should know how to accommodate it. They've played in London, and the time difference in Germany is an hour. Mm. Um, the the occasion like it's, it's a big thing. Obviously, you're playing Brady in the first game in Germany. Fair enough, it's a big thing. You know, you've done a lot of media stuff. You've got a huge proportion of the crowd were Seahawks fans, but then that just surely turns into a home game on away soil. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate too much. It just it was it was weird to watch. Before we so weird. before we end the offense, we can walk because we're on the topic of excuses. I would like to bring in the topic of the field, Josh, because I know me and you differ. I thought we weren't going to talk about this. <laughs> Did you? Well, I didn't because I'm going to bring it up. Um, yes, you've heard a couple of players. Pete Carroll himself complaining a little bit about the fields in Germany, potentially using it as an excuse for the lack of play on offence and defence, really. Um, you know, players not feeling confident enough to put the foot in the ground or whatever. Um, I know I know our opinions differ on this. Um, I don't particularly like this excuse. I know you, you, you give your opinion and I'll give my opinion based uh, okay. on my experience. Well, I think I don't I don't like particularly doing this um but i'm I'm gonna have to call hypocrisy on pete carroll um because on october 26th just after we'd beaten the cardinals um no after we'd beaten the Chargers, sorry and played at 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 la at sofi um pete carroll came out he was asked about the field and obviously there was the injury to jc jackson in that game dk got an injury as well um and pete carroll said and i quote regarding the use of grass to turf fields um, I think we definitely need to look at this really seriously in the off-season again. It's been a discussion before. We've got to do what's right and we've got to do what's safest for the players and we've got to make those choices. I would pound the drum for that. Um, I don't understand. You can't win then. I, I, for me, I, I look at this excuse and, and the, the, the players complaining about the grass fields and, and all that stuff. That, and you can't. You can't play on air. You can't play on sand. You've got to play on something. It's a grass field. It's Bayern Munich's field. It's, they haven't turned up to Solihull Moors or they haven't turned up to Hartlepool <laughs> or anything like that. They've turned up to Bayern Munich, you know, a German champions, elite football club, elite establishment with elite facilities. That it, it's, it's the same as Wembley. It's Put it this way, because I'm going to put it into, into your terms now, Josh, because it, it's something that you'll get as well. I don't see, and I'm not a massive, massive, massive rugby fan, right? Mm. But I don't see the players during the Six Nations complaining about the field. I never hear, I never hear it as an excuse in rugby. These are and rugby players, same size as football players, give or take, big men playing on grass fields. I never ever hear the fields of grass being an excuse for if a team plays bad or or, or, or players are not going well. So it's it's a case for me of. Yeah, it probably did feel a little bit weird to you because half of the fields in the NFL are turf. If all of them, if you played on grass every single week, it's not going to feel weird. It, it, it's part of the transition. It's when you transition into any new thing or try any new thing, hobby, anything. It's it's a bit rocky at first. It, 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 it might feel weird at first, but the more you play on it, the more you get used to it, the more you feel comfortable on it. And you're all crying for grass fields and I'm completely behind it. All the players absolutely banging the door down for grass fields. I think 90 in a, in a 2020 survey by the NFLPA 
93% of players listed artificial turf as an impediment to their careers, while 91% stated it made them feel more, more fatigued and so. Well, then it's grass fields then, isn't it? But then you can't then go to a grass field, a top-level grass field, not just a pitch in, in Chorley. <laughs> right. Before you carry so that's on my this opinion. Ramp, before you carry on this ramp, how many stadiums are there around the UK that are purely for football and purely for rugby? I will give you the exact football. figure, but there are plenty. Yeah. All right. And there's a reason for that. So I understand where you're coming from. So for someone who just looks at grass as grass, that's absolutely fine. Now, I listened to a bunch of podcasts and one of them was with uh, excellent international Joe Marler. I'm not going to shout out his podcast, but you get it from his name. Um, he interviewed a guy who is a groundsman, turf technician. And he specified that there are different types of turf that you use for different types of sports. So he does golf and he uses a certain type. Rugby fields use a certain type of turf, which also means that the soil underneath it is a different type as well. because It's usually mixed with clay or sand to make it sturdier for your footing. Football fields don't use that. And this is when you go and watch the NFL at Wembley, you will see that there's a lot of slips. And that's because it's a football field completely different type of grass i mean i've i've played on grass specific for rugby i've played on these 3g turf pitches which are awful and i've played on football pitches when a rugby pitch hasn't been available and just stick some posts up on a football pitch and you can tell the difference the 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 movement on a football pitch is purely used for that flat skimming surface for the ball it's less so for you sticking your foot in the ground to turn it's more fleet-footed slim athletes when you've got someone who's 200 odd pounds who's sticking his foot in the ground to try and move another direction that that ground just goes i've been in scrums where we've had to keep moving it because you just keep slipping you can't get any purchase my honest answer for this and i appreciate where you're coming from with grass is grass but it, it in it, anyone who listens who knows anything about grass it's not it's very very different and on the surface of it, it's green, it's all the same, but it's not. It's what's underneath and the type of grass you use, which I was educated listening to Joe Marler's podcast because I just thought, oh, okay, it makes sense. But also, you've got the the fact that the equipment manager should have gone out there and tested it in various boots, with var cleats with various studs. And once he'd gone, you can't get away with moulded cleats. You need to have cleats with metal studs that should be like an inch long to get purchased that should have been they should have gone out on mass and just bought a load of studs to screw into the bottom of these cleats yeah. or he should have had them there anyway and also when it comes to this whole grass versus turf argument i think murrayfield the home of scottish rugby they have a hybrid so it is grass with turf weaved into it mm. so it's more hard wearing so you still get the the element of playing on grass, but it doesn't tear up as much. And I think that is the way the NFL need to look at it. They need to go, right, everyone wants grass, but grass costs millions to upkeep on a pitch. You know, however, if we get this hybrid pitch in for all the stadiums, it means that they can have grass, which would be nice and soft, but they've also got the hard wariness of turf, which means that the money on upkeep isn't going to be too much for each franchise. I'm all over that. I agree with what you say when it comes to grass and the fact that it's a football pitch they were playing on. The equipment manager should have gone, it's a football pitch. This is what it's going to be like. Yeah. And that, that was what frustrated me because in the second half, the commentary said, oh, all the Seahawks players have changed their cleats, including it was, it was just after a Ken Walker run. 
And I was there going, and so they should have done, because it was pretty evident after that first quarter that the cleats they were wearing weren't working. Ken Water could not cut anything apart from the grass. Like, it, it was a pretty simple thing, but I mean, I, I generally think this, this whole field debate could go on forever, but they just need to literally look at other contact sports around the world that have gone to these turf pitches that absolutely hated them and now going, you know what, rather than turf, we'll have a hybrid and it works so well, that that'd do the NFL wonders and it would really save a lot of players' knees, ankles. It'd save a lot of concussion as well because it's not just a, a solid surface underneath. Mm. I think that might be the way forward. But right. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked you brought that up, James, because I know we well, have a, a slight uh, disagreement over yes, our, our WhatsApp group about that. <laughs> it's a really interesting talking point and we could talk yeah. about it for hours. I guess I, I just don't like seeing excuses from one team and and non like it it's quite obvious that it we, both teams have to play on it and i look and you and all it all it takes is a quick look at the stats Rashad white 105 yards len fournette 57 yards um let's have a look at the okay third down efficiency one and nine 10 and 15 for the buccaneers um 50 players for the seahawks 74 players for the buccaneers um 36 minutes and 55 seconds of total possession for the Buccaneers, 23 minutes and five seconds for the Seahawks. The Buccaneers had no problems on it, whether that's because they changed their cleats appropriately before the game or what, Correct. I don't I, I don't know. It could it could have been that. Um, the, the long and short of it is the equipment manager, whoever's in charge of that, should have done his due diligence and should have gone out there rather than going, yay, we're playing in Bayern Munich Stadium. They should have gone, we're playing Bayern Munich Stadium. Bayern Munich Stadium is a world-class football stadium, which mm -hmm. means that the grass that we're going to be playing on is football pitch. You saw how torn up it was. Mm -hmm. They should have just gone, right, because of that, all of my all of my players need to wear cleats with metal studs that are at least this long to get purchased in the grass and the soil. Done. However, that's not what happened. So we're, we're currently... At this talking point and this juncture, which I think this is going to be something that's going to go on in the NFL for a long time until yeah. there's an agreement. And I, I will, I, if if it comes out where they go, we're going to go hybrid. I'll be like, just call, just call me like, you know, I don't know, profit. No, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> yeah, what, mystic the, Josh. I thought I was going to say, what's the name of that? Mystic like septic thing? peg. <laughs> <laughs> um, that well, sounds like an illness. Um, Brian Connolly, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's the way it needs to go, and it'll save yeah. players. Like it'll, it'll elongate careers. It will allow teams then to all play on the same field, and it will give a lot of parity. That's it. I'm, I'm I'm putting an end to that conversation, Jim. Well, no more grass talk. Transition onto a guy <laughs> that, as we've as we've said, potentially struggled on it, especially in the first half. Ken Walker, from a rushing perspective, anyway, rushing wise, Ken Walker. Um, I think that's it. it well, I, I, in terms of when he's become the designated starter, I'm pretty confident this is his worst day on the ground rushing the ball wise. Uh, Ten carries for 17 yards and just a 1.7 average. However, on the flip side. Ken Walker had a very quiet, decent day on the receiving side. Six receptions, which ties the, yep. the team. DK Metcalf led on, on six, with the same with Ken Walker, both had six. Um, a 9.2-yard average for 55 total yards in the air, Ken Walker. Um, he is becoming a really nice little con complimentary little little pitch, little handoff, little you want to run a quick, you saw it with Gino when it under the blitz, he just quickly dumped it off to Ken and he went for 25, 30 yards. 
he, he's electric once he hits the open field and he quite obviously can catch a ball. There's no, I, I, I'm in the camp of no NFL player that makes it to the NFL and certainly on the offensive yeah. side of the ball can't catch a ball. He's got bricks for hands. Yeah. yeah, they can all catch a ball to some extent. Uh, and especially with running backs in this one day, they're asked to catch the ball. Everyone wants a receiving slash rushing back now anyway. Um, so he's, he can obviously do it. Um, so it, it's he's it, adding a really nice little little secondary element to his game over the past couple of weeks in this receiving department to the point where like say if he's struggling on the ground just pound it up the middle okay and and they did they kind of they kind of went away from that a little bit they thought he was struggling partly again maybe the turf partly the the books defense and the defensive line was absolutely the, killing. that rush was just yeah, they, yeah there was no way around or through that yeah. they were just they, they hit every gap yeah I would have hated to have been Ken Walker trying to trying to squeeze oh, all of those gaps. Not well, a chance. He, he ran into some brick walls that yeah. fair play, but um, but then like you said, a nice little adjustment to say, right, okay, we'll use him as a receiving back now, and and I and I liked that. I liked I, I, I enjoyed what I saw from Ken in the receiving game, um, and I, and I think that's a really nice little role that he's developing into going forward now. Yeah, there was um, on TikTok, so we, we we've got a TikTok. Just we talk Seahawks. Yeah, we do. Um, there was a gentleman who I can't remember what his name was. Um, uh, it's ETR established the run, and he he put up a a video about Ken Walker, simply stating that I wouldn't take Ken Walker. He's not got a receiving profile. He's injury prone. So we commented, "This aged well," and over a thousand of you have agreed that it aged well. Um, it, 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 I think it just goes to show, like like James just pointed out, you can't. You can't draft someone that high and only expect them to be a running running back. Hmm. He's obviously able to catch. You know, we, we signed like Travis Homer and DJ Dallas because of their ability out of the backfield as well. So it's going to be something in our playbook. We're not just going to have someone who is just going to pound the rock constantly because that is one-dimensional football. You don't win games like that. You have someone who will pound the rock consistently and then off a play action, will escape out of the backfield and then make you another 10 yards and get you a first down, if not more. Like mm. Walker's got that ability. And the fact that, what, 10, 10 carries, 17 yards, they obviously, like you said, they, they looked at that start and went, yeah, let's just abandon that. It's 1.7 yeah. yards average. Now, that has hurt his average. Yeah, that but has, yeah. Receiving, six, six receptions, 55 yards, 9.2 yards per reception. That's a first down near enough every reception. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 is what that's how you adapt and that's how you use a, a chess piece like Ken Walker to win new games, because he has got that in the toolbox. And I'm really glad we saw it because it, it now means that other teams will go, so we can stop the run, and really nullify Ken Walker there. But if they decide to throw it to him, he's still got all the exact same running talent, just in a bit more space. So we've got to now accommodate for that as well. Yeah. Again. I said it on the last pod I was on. Um, obviously, it wasn't here last week, but it's it's all about having a a, a team or an offense with a pick your poison offense. Mm-hmm. Who is it who's going to get the ball? And it keeps the defense guessing, and you'll always find a gap in that defense. And having Ken Walker as a receiving running back, it's just going to do that now. Absolutely. Um, like I say, it's just a perfect little. Little get out option, get out of jail free card. When when certain things aren't working that you want to do with Ken Walker, and that isn't going to happen many times this year, by the way. Ken Walker isn't going to struggle running the ball <laughs> up the middle many times this year, but it did this week, unfortunately. But when it isn't, 
And even when it is, just to, just to dice them up even more, nice mm-hmm. little receiving back now, another element to the game. Um, that, that lad just keeps putting feathers in his cap and, and we're all we're here all the way for it. Um, any further words on the offence before we have a little blessed CBD ad break and get to the defence? Um, stuttering, unfocused, um, aching to watch. It, it mm. generally hurt my bones to watch that first half. It the hurt my that... mother's ears as well, I must say, because when <laughs> when Gino Smith, because I, I feel a little bit bad because obviously we didn't get the chance to go out to Germany. So my mum put a little, I don't know, a little Sunday party together. Which have, do you have curry versed and cooked? No, no, we just had oh. like a, a big sort of like... What, Pommes you know, Mayo? No. No, no, it's nothing German. So it wasn't that much oh. of a party, really. It wasn't, that, it wasn't really on theme. We just bought a lot of sweets, a lot of beers and stuff and just all sat around as a family and watched Sunday. it. It was a decent Sunday until, <laughs> until your boy here went into the deepest, darkest recesses of the English swearing dictionary, the, the full complement of the language. Yeah. Now the sound lives in yes, a shed. <laughs> I think I, I'm sure it was on that third and two. I think I said something that contained C, N and T. I'm not going to say it on this podcast. Uh, but that Yo, You can't do that. Yes, that got me a bit yeah, of a telling yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, right. <laughs> and then and I think I responded some to some way that, you know, if you don't like it, get you know, you, you know where the door is. Um, they didn't because they're happy with the sweets and the beer and the, and the you know, but fair enough. Um, but yeah, just really, really frustrating offensive wise. Again, especially the first half, because I think pretty much in the second half, I, I think, Gino Smith was like 17 for 23 and 200 odd yards and the two touchdowns obviously Polar both. Polar opposite, wasn't it? Polar opposite. It was, it, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, but it, it was like uh, the NFL's version of Harvey Two-Face from mm-hmm. Batman. It, one side was, the first half was bad, just bad. And then the second half actually showed what we could do. And I don't yeah. know what had been said to the guys, but it, it worked. Anyway, we'll go on to that. I mean, my, my Sunday was literally... Go on coach rugby in the morning, drive back as quickly as possible within the speed limit. I do not condone speeding. Yes. Um, and then get home, chuck my Seahawks jersey on and watch it whilst having a toddler jump all over me and me potentially throwing her off me a couple of times <laughs> in anger and a couple of times in joy. Um, but yeah. Well, that's the thing, it's, isn't it? You just knew if we'd have turned up like we did in the, in the second half, in the first, we'd have won the game. It's as pretty simple as that. We'd have won the game. That, that's that's the frustration. But like you say, it was it snapped a four-game winning streak. A four-game winning streak at the start of the season seemed absolutely in la-la land if you'd have, if we'd have said that we'd we have gone enough. We were well off on our yeah. hot takes. Oh, we were well <laughs> off. Oh, we were well off. And we'll get to that next week in our, in our, in our bi-week episode, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure we'll have a bit of fun with. But yes, we were well off. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's never nice to to fall from the clouds, but it's a real. Before we leave the offense and go to the defense, there's never a better time for me to lose a game than going into a bye week. It's a perfect mm-hmm. time to snap a win streak and lose a game because I know the, all the players and the offense and Gino and the guys are probably be like, oh, we want to play on Monday night. We wanted to play on Monday night so we can put things right. For me, it's never 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 too bad to just take a week out, watch a bit more film. Just take a breath, digest what happened, understand what happened, understand what went wrong, and actually recalibrate, recalibrate, recap, and go again. Um, I think sometimes going straight back into another game the week after, after a disappointing loss, I think you often see it followed up by another loss in in, in many occasions if you were to go back and look at it. Um, That's just my opinion. I might be wrong, but... um, yeah, I, I, like, I like you thinking on that because it's one yeah. of those that all the other analysts were going, oh yeah, if they win this, then 
that that you know that bye week could potentially be the downfall because they will they'll be riding high and then they have to reset and go back in and carry on winning. Whereas luckily we went to Germany, we lost, so now we've just got to go and recalibrate to get back yeah. into winning ways. So I, I, I'm all for it. I think the, the lads deserve a rest. To be honest, I mean yeah. it's a hell of a flight. Yeah, and. You know, I think after that, I think there's going to be a bit of soul searching. There's going to be a, some some words spoken within the team about what they can do, how they can adjust, being able to adjust quicker. Because as we said, that second half was it was chalk and cheese. Like the 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 dots that Gino was throwing, the the touchdown to lock it, that back corner pass to to Marquise Goodwin, who fair play, Jim, high five. You called it out as him being one of him being the wide receiver three. I have yes. my hopes on Eskridge. After those hopes have died, um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just one of those, and it'll be for a very young coaching staff. Let's not forget, it's going to be a matter of it's a learning curve and it's a learning experience for them. So they now know they need to adjust quicker. They can't just keep flogging a dead horse for a half because at the end of a half you could be three touchdowns down, and then you have to come back against a great defense and a QB who just knows how to win. Yeah. So hopefully this will be a chapter closed. They know what they're doing now. Onwards and upwards. Hey, it's almost as if positive Pez is here. Wouldn't you believe it? <laughs> um, should we get to a Blessed CBD sponsor and then we'll get to the defence? We shall. Our longest serving sponsor, Blessed CBD. So thank you very much. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm an avid CBD user. Um, one of our previous guests, Lofa Tatupu, is as well. He owns his own company in the US. Unfortunately, we can't promote him. But the guys at Blessed have stepped up big time. If you go on to blessedcbd.co.uk, um, you can also find the link on our website and browse through everything they've got. They've got gummies, they've got oils, they've got vapes now, um, they've got loads of stuff. Um, they've also got a lovely FAQ section. So if you are wondering what to do and how it may help you, have a look at that or message us at the pod. I will happily have a quick chat with you to tell you how it's helped me. All you need to do, Click through Blessed CBD, select what you want. When you get to uh, to the checkout, uh, just type in code Seahawk, S-E-A-H-A-W-K, and get 10% off your order. Nice and easy. Thank you very much to everyone who are now repeat Blessed users. Uh, it's great to see. I see all the stats, and I, unfortunately, I don't see who you are, so I can't thank you in person. But it's great to see people are going back month after month, and they've seen how it's helped them. So... Let's increase that number and let's start helping more people. Absolutely. Thank you very much to everyone. Um, all right, let's get to this defence. Um, we we'll start defensive line, work our way back as we always do. Um, I'll, I'll read through the sack totals. And that was the sack total. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the interception. It's so weird numbers. to say zero sacks in it for this season. Oh, dearie me. Um, Interceptions, though, we had weirdly. I don't. It's not many times you get more interceptions in a game than sacks. Um, two interceptions on the uh, on the day for the Seahawks. Tariq Woolen, just again, as 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 the kid does, just standard. Yeah. Cordy Barton. Can, can, can we just go back to Tariq Woolen's one because we oh, yeah. posted a picture on our Instagram. Again, we talk Seahawks weirdly, um, and. When you look at how high he leaped, I don't know whether that's because Brady was lying down, but that boy has got hops. Like he 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 must have been up at least nine, ten foot in the air to catch that ball. Oh. Like and, and fair play to Brady, he took that one on the chin. 
and he said, if I hadn't fallen down, I would have like I, I would have taken it off him like Randy Moss and running yeah. for a touchdown. I mossed him. Fair play. But I mean, you can have that sense of humour when you are the GOAT. Yes. But yeah, Tariq Woolen just continues to impress, doesn't he? He's... Oh, he, imp- oh, he impresses me. Hang, hang that picture oh, of Tariq Woolen <laughs> picking that ball off with Tom Brady on his ass. Like, hang it in the Louvre. You could have hung it. You could have hung it on somewhere that I won't tell you when I was yeah. watching it. But I'll tell you something, <laughs> that lad. Yeah, as as Pez always says, I am calling it right now. Hall of Fame, bucket, five interceptions. He's still on track for Richard Sherman's record. And I'm sure we'll get into him in more depth in a minute. But um, let's start with this defensive line. Um, Oh, sorry, just just as well, quick, quick shout out. Because you, you you were talking about him, and I sort of I spoke over you, Cody Barton. There you go. Leave it at that. You didn't have yeah. to. Um, yeah, well it was a good pick. It was a good pick. Yeah, it was a good. Pick. Like that 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 was his because he was an ex safety at college, wasn't he? he was a Utah, yeah. Um, yeah. and that was purely just a safety's vision to see where that ball was going, and he just hopped up, caught the ball, and then yeah, I think he was as surprised as everyone else really when he uh, got away with the interception. Brooks, he could have had one or two as well, just talking about the linebacker. Yeah. Well, he, he dropped one or two that I remember. Um, well, I don't know about drop, but it, we're in the realm of potential catchability, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, so that was disappointing because I was still waiting for his first pick this year. Um, but yeah, this D-line, D-line, no sacks. And the thing that frustrated me the most that I've got in my notes is, and I don't know if anyone else picked up on this, I, I'd imagine you will have done, is... Just the idea of rushing four all game, practically er- un- until it was in like really like third and one or fourth and whatever, like short yardage situations on the first down situations, on the second down situation, it was just constant rushing four, rushing four. And I get that in the first half. If you mm-hmm. just want to rush four in the first half, get to half time, and then you think, okay, they'll, they'll reevaluate, as we always say, make adjustments, go over what's not happening, D line talk to each other, communicate, and say, right, we're rushing four, we're not laid a finger on him. Something needs to be done about this. Communicate with Clint Hurt. Come out second half. Okay, we'll start seeing a bit more blitzing. Maybe rushing five. Mixing it up a little bit. Mixing it up a little bit. And yet second half starts and it's rushing four and it's rushing four and rushing and rushing four until the entire game. And I mean, the Bucks haven't got an amazing offensive line, but they've got one of the best in the business in Tristan Wirfs. It's a tough offensive line to to get sacks on. In general, Tom Brady, when he's throwing the ball that quickly. Didn't they have like three guys out, though? Three of their starters were out. They did. It was yeah, they just did. the two tackles when it was starting. Yeah. Right. And, and, and and you can see that's why Brady was getting the ball out so quick. Because, again, like we've said on this podcast and in and, and other podcasts, the interior, the offensive line was probably the weak point for the Bucks on a day. Not that we'd have known that. Um, mm-hmm. But he was getting the ball out so quick. And when he's getting the ball out so quick, four guys aren't going to... Unless they're completely unblocked, which if you're rushing for the chances are nobody is going to be unblocked, it, it's it, it's it's now an impossible to get to. You've got to start blitzing him. You've got to, I mean the one with Devin White when he sacked Gino coming in unblocked, mm-hmm. just clear run, just showing different looks like that. I can't remember Brooks being blitzed. I can't remember Barton being blitzed. Like it was just a really strangely cold game on the defensive line side of the ball. I've I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, the fact that our two, well, no, 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 two. So our four top tacklers were the two interior, so middle linebackers in Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, mm. Quandre Diggs and Ryan Neal. That to me screams that the old the D line didn't do their job effectively. 
mm-hmm. because people have run through them, run around them, or have been passed over the top of them, which means Brady's had too much time. Yeah. And as a result, you've got the interior linebackers or Ryan Neal, who steps up into that box, and then Quandre Diggs having to make those tackles. That says everything you need to know to me. Yeah. I mean, you look down these the list of tackles. It goes Brooks, Barton, Diggs, Neal. Then you've got Kobe. Um, Kobe. Um, <laughs> Al Woods, Bruce Irvin, Mike Jackson, Tariq Woolen. And then the rest of it is just... It's rubbish. Like, yeah. I, I can't get yeah, over how bad it is. It's like... It doesn't even make for pleasant reading. You've not even gone, oh, someone's up there. He's played a good game. You just look at it and go, it was just bad. Like mm-hmm. the, the the second half was a bit of a change. That first half though was just a demolition that that just gave them that that platform. Yeah. If we if we'd done something, I think if we'd put more pressure, maybe some different looks, like you said, I think the it'd be a different story. But Brady just, like, he's been in the league for 20-odd years. You know, the guy knows when he's, if he comes up against a few snaps and goes, oh, they're just rushing four every single time. Excellent. I'll just call this. I'll audible this. Let's just yeah. do this. Keep doing this. It becomes easy for him to read. That The game must play in slow motion to that guy. The guys yeah. talk after they've been in the league for a bit about the game slowing down. It must be at standing pace for him. Yeah. You know, he, he must just see things happen and be able to process it so quick. Like it, it's unreal, and you can't do something like what we did against someone like that, no. because it's it, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's what the, I mean. The fact it's like, zero sacks just that, that bothers me so yeah. much. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You cannot just rush for all game against someone like a Tom. If you want to do that against a Justin Fields or a rookie quarterback, whoever who might not have seen enough of the game yet to to make adjustments and call, mm-hmm. you know, then do that. You can't do that. You said you can't do that against Tom Brady. And then it was the running game from the books as well. Like Fournette's oh. had an awful year. I mean, he's he got 462 yards on the season after this Seahawks game now, which is 24th in the league. He's got a 3.4 average, which is 50th in the league. He's got three touchdowns, which is tied 22nd in the league. Richard White, that was his first 100-yard game of his career. <laughs> I know he's a rookie, but that was his first 100, you know, his three-digit game. I, I, had, I had him in a fantasy team, and I was thinking, oh, I'll just chuck him in there. It's going to do nothing. And then he comes up with 105 yards. I was like, and then What? So then the confusing thing is that I'll lead on to is, why is Brian Manier a healthy scratch then? Because it, 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 and it was posed to Pete Carroll after the game, it, as was Brian Manier a healthy scratch? Yeah, he was. He wasn't on the injury report all week. Didn't show up. He was healthy all week. So why... You know fine well Brian Monet and Al Woods in that middle are run stuffing absolute yeah. demons. And and uh, look, we all wanted to see more of Mile Adams, especially on this podcast and stuff like that. And I, I think Mile Adams is a good player. But in terms of defending a running game, you've got to have... I, I don't know why you wouldn't have someone as effective as Brian Monet is as a healthy... You can't healthy scratch Brian Monet, surely not. No, I mean, I mean, look, looking at sort of the defensive snaps and who played, I think it was more them going for a, a more of a speed rush because you mm. had well, DT only got one tackle, um, and Wosu one tackle. Then you've got Marfe, um, was that one tackle? Uh, yeah, um, one solo. Um, Miles Adams, and Puna, Quinton Jefferson, Shelby Harris, and then Big Al. And Bruce Irving was in there as well. Like the, the 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 only bulk I can see there, I don't consider Puna as bulk anymore mm. um, because he's shown he's got feet, he's got some athleticism. Is Big Al? When you've got a team with a rush 
fair play, it's not been as great as it has been. It's still Leonard Fournette, isn't it? At the end, but of the day. playoff Lenny, like mm. he can show up at any time. Mm-hmm. He can drop off, but then when he shows up, he shows up. Mm-hmm. You know that Rashard White. Everyone's been touting him for for a while now, saying how good of a running back he's going to be in this system, and he showed it there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think the the there's been some suspect sort of personnel calls this season. That that one that you just said, Monet was was one. I, I'm still a bit aggrieved by the fact that Aaron Doncor didn't get yeah, activated nice. for this. They did you know, the whole that, segment on him before the game. Did you see that? The whole segment yeah. of him before the game, as if he, he was, was like in, a key part of our defence. That's like played a snap. Exactly. <laughs> he, was in, he was in every press conference. They yeah. wheeled him out like, look, we have a German. Yeah. Here is our local German. Our talking Sprech, German. Deutsch, yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, we don't use him. No. Yeah. And then he turns up and they're like, yeah, so in order for him to play, we needed to actually activate him, activate him three weeks ago. Um, and we just didn't. And I'm like, oh. Guys, you have missed a massive opportunity yeah. there. Like, if if you want to expand into another territory, and the Seahawks have got like the biggest fan base in, in Germany, because it was you you hear it a lot that like, when the NFL first started getting broadcast, that was during sort of the Seahawks prime years. So everyone started following them. When the Seahawks have a German player on the international player pathway, who has the opportunity to then go to Germany and play. That right there is where the NFL should have gone. Maybe we should give him some dispensation for this and just say, like, look, you can have an extra man activated just for this Munich game mm. because that will then give hope to all these German kids that want to play American football and think they can succeed. And the knock on effect will be massive. I just think it, it, it was, I think the handling of the personnel was a bit weird. Like I said, Brian Monet, I think, would have made a difference in this as well. Yeah. I, especially if you're playing four at the front, you can literally just have those two absolute units in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it it, it didn't make sense to me. Um, well, we've touched on them slightly. Let's let's go to the linebackers then before we head to the secondary. Um, for me, I hate it, it, I think these were probably the two best players maybe yeah. on the defense: <laughs> yeah. Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks. Um, other than Tariq Woolen, obviously getting the interception, but Jordan Brooks is going to listen to this and be like, ah. Yeah. But like I say, it, 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 it depends how you look at it. I mean, Jordan Brooks leading the, the team with 11 tackles, three assists, and then Cody Barton was second with eight and one assist. So both the linebackers leading the team on tackles. Look at that, whichever way you want. Um, but obviously, Cody gets the interception. It was a great interception. Fair play to him. Read it really well. Um, I thought John Brooks, he was a lot better in pass cup. There was a few times where he was really on it in pass cup, like that broken up one, I think was it to Goodwin or something in the first yeah. half, where he nearly picked it and then he nearly picked it again off Brady and it was just kind of like he batted it down and then realised, oh, I probably could have intercepted it, a bit like Tariq's the other week on Hopkins. Um, but yeah, I thought those two, and again, I've, I've, I said it in the Discord last week and I'll say it quietly on here, that okay, I will, I will, I will surrender it to you a little bit. That Cody Barton has played better in the last couple of weeks. Better than he has, expected. Yeah, I, I will always go back to the well of Cody Barton is a great system player, and you said it as well. In short, small doses, mm-hmm. give him one job. Say, Cody, your job is to be in coverage. Cody, your job is to get after the QB. Mm-hmm. Not Cody, these are the options you've got. Go and make that decision out of the field because he's proven that he just gets confused. Like there's yeah. so many highlights of him just being st- stood in butt fuck nowhere. Yeah. Like 
not having a clue where the ball is. Like I think there was a touchdown the other week where he cut in to try and block an interior rush. And he wasn't even looking at the running back. He just ran all the way around him. And you just see Cody slowly turn his head in one of those no moments. Just give him one job. If he's in open field, maybe not like close to the goal line. Just that if you're going to give him one job, be like, look, just just look after the um, the running back. Fine. Mm. But in open field, just say, Cody, on this snap, go after the QB. Mm-hmm. On this snap, go after the running back. On this snap, stand in the middle of the field and just make sure nothing gets past there, which is yeah. what happened here. He he literally just stood there, just stood there, waited for that ball, picked it nicely, and it worked. Um, and fair play, props to him, because he gets a lot of flack from us and a lot of other people. If he can, if that can be his job, if that's what he goes, he goes, look, I'm a blunt object, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me one job and I will excel at it, fine. Jordan Brooks, on the other hand, exceptional at the moment. He's just, he's everywhere. His side, sideline to sideline speed to get after someone is ridiculous. I mean, what he had past defence, he had a tackle for loss as well. The guy's just, he, he's improving more and more. But then again, when you have to make that many tackles, you've got to improve. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's improvement through repetition. And he gets a lot of repetition of what he's got to do. Um, I, I, yeah, I in my opinion, JB is he is the incumbent middle linebacker for us for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and he will drag Cody Barton with him for as long as needs be. Yeah. But I think he was exceptional. I think he's, he, every single game, it's very rare that I say Brooks had a bad game, and he just yeah. continues. It just it just doesn't. And thankfully, I think he has come out of the game okay because he did tweak his ankle. I think yeah. a little bit. Pretty sure he's he went. Out, he went out, then went back in. He, he went out, went back in. I thought, oh, there's yeah. 56, right? Fine, he's okay then. <laughs> um, but it's like you say. I think Cody Barton fit for my money. It, you see him at his best when he's either spying the quarterback or blitzing through the through the line of scrimmage. And it's when you've seen him come on the field purely to do that, either to spy the running back or to spy the quarterback or whatever. That's where he's at his best. And you've seen since Bruce Irvin's come in, he's been the more third down, like three down kind of guy next to Brooksy and, and Barton's coming on these sub packages when you think they're going to call a certain type of player. And, and Barton was again in that kind of role for the Bucks game. And and you're seeing he, 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 it, he, worked. He's, it worked. He's not good enough to be on a, a three down linebacker. And that's OK. He's good enough to be a sub package linebacker. And there's value to that. And you're seeing it. Um, and that's where my frustrations always have lied with Cody Barton is that maybe maybe, maybe I guess then this is a bit of a, a pennies drop kind of moment. Maybe, maybe my, my issue isn't has never been with Cody Barton. Maybe it's just been that the fact that the Seahawks have continuously put him in as a three down linebacker. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe I haven't got that much of an issue with Cody Barton. As, as... It's right. So in coaching, you will. And this is me putting my coaching hat on now. You will always inherit a team or players that don't necessarily fit what you want to do. A good coach will take those players, utilize their skill set, utilize their expertise, and he will adopt or adapt for them to fit into the game plan. And this is what Clint Hurt needs to do with Cody Barton. Because Cody Barton, what, this is this contract year for Barton, isn't it? Yeah. So if he wants to keep him, he needs to then go, right, what do you excel at? What are you good at? One job, Cody. Perfect. Put him in on a third down to blitz. Put him in on a second down and say, look, just just stay in the middle, cover that field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fine. 
don't put him in every down and go, right, so you need to either cover, pick up one of the uh, tight ends that are running in the middle, or if you spot a gap, blitz it, or look for the running back because his brain just goes, yeah. What? And that that's not me like berating him because mm-hmm. professional athlete, top of the sport, it's going to be a lot to process. It takes a special kind of player to process. And if you're not special on that, you know, that level, yeah. that level below, then you just need to have it simplified a little bit and you will excel with the simplification. Mm-hmm. I, I've had to do it throughout all my coaching career with people that haven't fit into my thing, but I go, you know what? You're a great tackler. I'm going to put you in this position. You're, you know, great under a high ball. I'm going to put you in this position. And and you just, you adopt, or you adapt. And I think that's what we need to do. And like I said, I think your frustration is not necessarily with Cody Barton. I think it's more how it's been used by the coaching staff. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the penny's been It's like a therapy session, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's like, I like you it. Work through your, you work through your anger. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm going to need a lie down after this. Um, right. I'm probably going to need after a lie down as we talked about these cornerbacks from this week, aside oh. from three equaling, um, because, I, I mean, look, Mike Evans, five receptions for 54 yards and no touchdowns. I think Tariq Wollin did his job on Mike Evans pretty well, as we talked about in the last podcast, would be his biggest test. I think he's passed it this week. Um, Chris Godwin, on the other hand, six receptions, 71 yards, one touchdown. Didn't quite handle him as well as we could have done. And obviously Julio Jones had a had an OK game as well, 53 yards and the one touchdown. It, it would be us that Julio scores that TD against, wouldn't it? He's, and he, he's done nothing. And it would be because... <laughs> I swear that's the exact same touchdown that DeAndre Hopkins scored against us last week. Isn't that was that not just a carbon copy of the DeAndre Hopkins across the middle? Coverage was blown. The guy, whoever should have been tracking Hopkins, I think it was it was initially Woolen that was, was on. Kobe. Yeah, Kobe, so I, Kobe dropped dropped his coverage assignment to chase someone else, and then they just passed it straight to Julio, who yeah. took it in his stride and went straight in for the corner. Yeah, so, so it, it, it was just a carbon copy, and I just I, I think Kobe, like for me, that for my money, that was Kobe's worst game. Not necessarily an awful game from Kobe. He did do some things well. He, he nearly, very nearly, had an excellent pass breakup on Scotty Miller on the sideline, which I thought was excellent coverage by Kobe. It's just a great ball from Brady and a good catch from Miller. Um, but I, his coverage wasn't awful during the game. Again, I, I, I thought his speed, potentially lack of exploited a little bit perhaps across that middle a, a few times that's my only sort of issue with with Kobe at the minute but um Mike Jackson for me was the one that stood out like a sore thumb this week he's, he's played <laughs> he's played well um I've got to do that every time I, say it. No, I was waiting no for it good or bad um he stood out past couple of weeks of playing pretty well actually I thought Mike Jackson played pretty well a couple of weeks but you can tell his skill set is limited and you will get good play from him certain weeks but he's also you can match up against him if you're the other team coming in you think where's my where's someone that I can exploit I yeah, clearly not Mike Jack yeah where's Mike Jack let's throw at him they've, they've figured out Tariq well and now that's not a good idea to throw his way right who's the next one hmm Mike Jack we, I know we, Trey, Trey Brown's coming back now so this my might God this might negate this conversation but for now, Mike Jack has been the starter, obviously, opposite Tariq Woolen. And, I mean, he bought so hard on that Mike Evans fake screen thing. He bought so hard on that. Again, the touchdown was, I think, he had something involved with the, the Scotty Miller over the middle that he somehow jumped and caught it when he could have just it caught it and ran in. genuinely bothers me, the fact we've got to mention Scotty Miller so much because he is just generic receiver on Madden. He yeah. is one of those, when you're... 
seven years into a franchise, a a computer, <laughs> yeah, it starts making up characters <laughs> for the draft. They're like, oh, look, here is a random receiver from Utah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. What's his name? Gerald Smith. Right, cool. That's that's Scotty Miller. That That is all I think of. But then every now and again, he comes up with these games where Brady goes, oh, I've got Scotty Miller. And look, no one's marketing because no one knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And most of the people go, nah, it's just an NPC. He's not going to do anything. And then, lo and behold, but that, that catch, the, the the jump to catch was ridiculous. I, yeah. I, I watched that and I thought, that's just, you're over-dramatising that, mate. Yeah, but you could see Mike Jack was still, he had time to to not only pogo stick up in the air to catch it for whatever reason, land, drop it, catch it again. And Mike <laughs> Jackson was then only looking at him and then started to make his way yeah. over there. Like, he was still 10 yards away. It was just, there was a couple of players that uh, I thought Mike Jackson was the one that really stood out as being the one who got exploited this week. Um, I said it to the week, didn't I? I said it, like, mm-hmm. I, I want cornerbacks that people are afraid to run at, like Mike Jack can put, I can lay the lead on someone, but I don't see it often enough. Mm. But he peaks and troughs too much for me. Mm. And his peaks are high, but his troughs are really low. And I just want that level of consistency because I'd rather have someone who floats between a really good level of high and low rather mm. than these like huge like Everest-type highs and then these Grand Canyon-type lows, which is it's not what you need from a cornerback when you're playing the greatest of all time in the QB room yeah, because he is going to exploit it every time. And like we yeah. say, there is, a, there is a lad who does bring the boom coming back in Trey Brown. It, it's going to be really oh, interesting yes. to see what they do with him. Is it Will will it be a knock-on? Will Corby be moved? Will will Mike Jack automatically lose his job? It, it might be interesting because you'd imagine from what we saw from Trey Brown in the sort of flash moment that we saw of him last year that he's good enough to, to start on this defence. It, it's going to be interesting whether they put him outside or maybe shift Kobe around. He played that that snapshot that we had of him. He was mm. playing in the same position as Mike Jack. Yes, that's so what I'm thinking. I, I think Mike Jackson will at some point be relegated to the bench. You'll see his snaps slowly decline, mm. um, where Brown gets like put into the game more. Um, and I think that that's what they're looking at. I think they're going to look at having Tariq. Um, Brown and Bryant as those three yeah. cornerbacks for for a long time. Mm. I, think that, I think that's that's the plan. I think that's it. I can't if it was last week or the week before, but I think I, I think someone asked a question and it was about why is Mike Jackson playing well all of a sudden. I think I, I said something along the lines of it feels like it's a job audition this next couple of weeks for for Mike Jackson until Trey Brown comes back and now Trey Brown's back and I think off the back of that performance, I think. You would have to say that he's probably not got the role. He's probably lost his audition on the back yeah. of that performance. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, he might have a defence in the sense that there are some pretty good receivers on the books. So it's, mm. you know. And but, also he can be like, look at look at some of my film from some of these games. Yeah. Like, look what I've done. Look who I've kept quiet. I mean, fair enough. It, it's going to take time for for Brown to 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 get Jackson out of that, that squad, that starting rotation. But it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. I mean, I think we, we, we've all sort of come to terms with that. And if you yeah. haven't, then you, you're deluded. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, you're deluded as we as we begin to wrap up the podcast. You are deluded if you think that NFL fans in Europe are not the, are not the target audience of the NFL. All I oh. want to say is, we, I, I know you got into a, a pretty 
a pretty popular Twitter debate over the weekend about it, NFL. It, it in went this. on for a while. Yeah. It went on for a while, got some traction and stuff like that. And, and people, look, if you have the opinion that NFL fans in Europe either aren't as important or aren't the target audience or whatever, I would just quite like to point you to that to, into the direction of that Munich game. Go and watch that game. Go and watch the atmosphere in Munich after the game, during the game. You would have thought it was the Super Bowl. It was, and I'm going to say it, it, it's better than some of the Super Bowl atmospheres that I've seen in recent years within the stands and the fans because in, it's just it's just a different kind of fan culture in Europe and, and outside of America. We do sporting events and supporting your teams in stadiums so from, differently. We don't just so scream different. and shout. Yeah, we, we we sing in unison. We sing in unison. It, it was amazing. It was. It, it looked absolutely <laughs> electric and. And if if you ever in doubt of the passion or the interest or the or the commitment or the target audience or whatever of NFL, the value of fans in Europe and, and do they matter to the NFL? I think they absolutely do, and they've absolutely proven the point. Um, with that. And, and look, they're going back to Munich, to Germany. I think they've got another four games over the next couple of years. I'll see on the broadcast that they've officially signed off on between Frankfurt and Munich or whatever. And, um, and they're looking at France and Spain as well, aren't they? They're looking at France and Spain and, and they're saying that, you know what, when we're going to these places, the atmosphere is better than, than a lot of these yeah. games in America. And, it, and it's like, are we miss, should we move the entire sport? I'm not saying that, of course. No, 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 that. Good God, no, don't. Yeah. That, that, that person on Twitter will just come after us. No. So for those of you who don't know, so on Twitter, I'm at Josh. Um, I've, I've changed my name, actually. I believe now... I am Josh underscore we talk. There you there go. You go. Get, getting the brand in because WTS was taken. Um, but I posted a tweet um, the other week um, basically saying that I'd heard a lot about of a, a lot of American fans complaining. Um, I'm pretty sure Jim might be able to get that tweet up at some point for our YouTube viewers. Yes. Um, yeah, saying I've, I've seen a lot of fans complaining about the kickoff time feel our pain for us UK and European fans and somebody came in so hard with the fact that we are not the target audience now we've got a lot of US listeners so I know that they are more than happy for UK and European fans to be part of the audience we've got a lot of UK listeners we've got listeners from around Europe worldwide Jim Jim but worldwide we talk Seahawks worldwide I don't want to swear too much because positive positive Pez isn't here and you know I can't take his mantle um but yeah this utter walloper as some of my friends would say said we're not the target audience we never should be it never should be played outside of the states where the teams were derived from and I was like okay fine I completely get that you know the it's American football I understand it's in America, you know, I bit the bullet when I supported an American team that I, I knew that would be late, like late starts, early mornings. That didn't go down too well, and basically became Gollum with the wrong one ring, thanks to uh, our, our good friend Chris um, for putting that that meme up there, um, or even a GIF. And yeah, it, it proceeded to go on for 122 comments, nice. uh, mainly back and forth between me and this fella. And saying that you've got football and rugby, why don't you just stick with them? Keep leave us with American football. And I just had to educate the gentleman by saying, well, rugby was derived from football. American football was derived from rugby. So at the end of the day, it all boils back to that 
stupid round ball game. But yeah, it, it just went on and on. And the the fact that I, as some as I've said on here before, I lived in Germany for five years. I love the country. I love the people. They've got a massive stigma around the world, and uneducated people start to mention World War One and World War Two. Yeah, you know, who cares? You can go anywhere in Germany, and there are two constants um, if you go out on a night. One of them is DJ Otzi, Hey Baby, which they pumped around that stadium. They did. And the second one is Take Me Home Country Road. Pretty much every nightclub I've ever been to in Germany has played that as their kicking out song, and the Germans love it. And they proved that with the voices they sung with. It was amazing to hear. I got flashbacks, like yeah. positive Vietnam-esque flashbacks when I heard that song. Um, it was amazing. And like everything we saw, like, like James said, we didn't manage to get out there. I've, I've got a family. I've, I've got a lot of work at the moment as well. James is a student and Pez works, so time is finite. And Pez has got a family as well. But getting out there would have been a dream. And I'm so glad that 12s from around the world, like a friend of the pod, Captain Seahawk, Loafer Tatupu, Brett Davin, the guys at the Take 12 pod, a lot of the Seahawkers fans and the Boosters clubs and whatnot, they all went out there just to experience Germany. And I can guarantee it's changed their opinion on the people, the place, the culture, the food, everything. The fact that the, the the fact that people were do there was a lot on social media about they were getting served jugs at the uh, the stadium. I was like, no, that's not a jug. That's just a liter Stein, my friend. That's that's standard in Germany. You know that I think that these type of games and this type of spectacle taken around the world just it, a from an NFL point of view grows the sport. From mm-hmm. a team point of view, it grows the fan base. From a an individual point of view, a fan's point of view, if you get the opportunity to travel to any of these countries, even if the Seahawks aren't playing, go. Yeah. Just go. Expand your horizons because when you are in the the States, it is a microcosm of a sporting culture. When you come to the UK, I'll, I'll leave soccer out of this because that's a bit more tribal. But when you come to the UK, especially, if you go to a rugby match, you will have one of the best times of your life because – it doesn't matter if you're sat with your team or you're sat next to someone else. You'll sing the same songs, you'll drink the same beer, you'll have the same crack, and it goes the exact same anywhere. I would love them to put an NFL game on in Dublin. Mm-hmm. It'd be expensive as hell, but there would be so many drunken people after the night, and you'd have a phone full of new Irish friends. I think it just to, to grow this sport, to grow these teams and the fan bases... I think it, it's the way forward. It's also from a, a team point of view. If you look at the fact that we've got the international player pathway now, previously it was just players in the US who got a scholarship in the US, whereas now they can pick from all around the world. Mm. American football players aren't just born and bred in the US. You have got some absolute freaks around the world. And if you got some of those to go and play American football from a young age, you would have some powerhouses available. And I think it, it, just to grow the sport, I'm, I'm all for it. I am I'm 100% saving up to go to the next game. I'm gutted I missed the Seahawks game. But you better believe that the next time there's one in Germany, I will be going out there rocking all my Seahawks stash. Yeah, I, I echo absolutely everything that you said. And all I'll say is, as we leave this podcast... I have a very, very good feeling in, in the next three, four, five years and going down the line, as more more games get held in Germany and across Europe, 
fans in America are going to start looking forward to those games more than the ones in America because the atmosphere at these games is mm-hmm. so much better and so much better. Of how how much of an amazing experience was it to just watch it from our own sofas and hear yeah. it on the TV <laughs> as opposed to the American game? I'm not saying you American fans are bad or anything like that. It's just different cultures. But I think if you keep on it and keep watching it, as if you're an American fan, an American listener who's not sure on whether you like this whole expansion into Europe and across the world, just keep watching those games. And I think over the next couple of years, you're going to start to see fans in the States really look forward to these international games even more because the atmospheres are brilliant. If any of our listeners know the guys who do the PA at Lumen Field, please could you just suggest that they put on Take Me Home, Country yep. Road, just to see how it how it goes. Because I would love to hear that on the TV from the Seahawks fans. Because we we are the loudest fans in the NFL. That, that, that is a given. But I'd love to hear the loudest fans in the NFL, a stadium full of them singing that song. Get it done. Get it done. Who is in charge? Chuck Arnold, you're yeah, the mate. president. Get it done, mate. Um, but listen, thank you, as always, for joining us this week. It's been an absolute blast, as always. We're going to have a chilled week now into the bye week. We're going to do a bye week episode where we're going to have a bit of fun, go over our hot takes, make some new hot takes. Oh, I would um, Review our predictions, do a, a quiz. I think I'm going to do like, a big fat quiz of the year so far or something like that to oh, get involved God. with. Some, we're just going to have a bit of fun, a bit of a blast for an hour, hour and a half, however long it is, however many rabbit holes Pez takes us down next week all in the name of bye week madness and fun. Um, and then we'll get back to the main action the following week. Um, but look, as always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of your social medias will be on there. TikTok now, as well as Josh has said, just search We Talk Seahawks on any of those platforms and you will find us. Um, you can also go on our website if, you, if you're struggling to find out how to listen. We've got a new dedicated how to listen page on our website that directs you to all of our links, YouTube, CastBox, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. And that's a good little outlet to go and just click and you'll be there. Um, and look, as always, join our Discord as well. Plenty going on there every game day. We're always up for a little chat with you all. And uh, and, and it does get quite tasty and quite fun in there as well on game days. Um, but yeah, man, thank you all so much. Thank you, Josh. We'll have Positive back himself next week. And uh, and yeah, man, this is six, eight, six and four, context of everything. Keep our heads up. It was a poor week this week, but we are six and four people. This season is still going unbelievably well. Um, and, and we're here for it, man. We're here for it all year. Playoffs, Super Bowl. We're still in for it. We're still in with a chance. Uh, <laughs> but listen, thanks, Josh, as always. And thank you all for listening. And go Hawks, man. Go Hawks.